All right, here we are, my guy Chad Brown and uh, Nate will will hopefully join us at some point. Uh, we want you to like and subscribe, where we get to talk about football and uh, the Broncos and the there is there is something going on today. It's the um, uh, what do you call it? the extension signing? The what the hell is today? There's it, something starts. Franchise tagging, tagging. There we tagging, go. Tagging, mm-hmm. tagging, mm-hmm. tagging. Yes. Oh, there he is. There's tag our guy. It. Hey guys. Tag, tag your it. Hey, it's so great to see you, pal. How you been, Nate? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you guys been? Long time no see. Apologize for the uh, the absence there. Had to uh, take care of a sick wife and. You know, it's like when you're getting the kid ready. I think just time out. I think we have a slight microphone issue. I don't think your microphone is hooked up. Like, oh, crap. Uh, oh, yeah, crap. Hey, I'm going to log off and come right back on, okay? That, that sounds good. That sounds good. Wait, just... hold on. Maybe I can do it right here. Yeah. Settings, um... perhaps, on that old microphone. How's that? Is that better? There oh, we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Now mean, we're cooking with grease. Look at un- you. Unbelievable. Hair's not going, but microphone works. That's all uh, we need. When we talk about tagging, what does this mean for uh, players in the uh, NFL? What's, to get tagged, to not get tagged, uh, Chad, what does uh, this mean? On, on one hand, it's a compliment that the team wants to find a way to keep you. On the other hand, it's a compliment that takes money out of your pocket. Uh, <laughs> because there's no signing bonus when you get tagged. You get paid the average of the top five at your position. So for that one year, you do pretty good, but everyone wants the long-term deal because then you get the signing bonus. Um, So the tag is a financial insult, get a skill and playing um, compliment in the weirdest of ways. So the NFL asked the PA and and each CBA to make sure that the clubs have a way to hang on to important players. So that's why that tag still exists. Um, and it was a, you know, maybe a miscalculation by the PA, how often, how frequently, and how would it would really end up affecting the best players in the game and restricting their movement. Yeah, man, I never got tagged, so I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a, this is something that affects what one guy on the team, two guys on the team, right? So, okay, yeah. cool, man. Let's tag a dude. Let's talk about a couple million dollars here, million dollars there. Broncos have bigger fish, bigger things, bigger, bigger, bigger picture stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it for the individual guy, it does like Kyle said or uh, like Chad said, restricts some of his uh, his monetary uh, earnings ability there, and um, you know, gives. Look, this is this is part of what the the, the NFL the, the parody thing, right? Yes. The NFL their ability to kind of keep players around and not let, let players leave as easily, you know? And, and so, um, but, uh, I never had the pleasure of being tagged. Yeah. It's a weird, uh, to, did to you ever be- get tagged Chad? No, I played tag as a kid. I was awesome, yeah. but I was never franchise tagged. Or Wait, were you like all world tag in your tag team go to the pros? I was all Altadena first team tagger. See, Listen. I was a, See, see, tagging for me was different. Tagging was about graffiti, and uh, and I was uh, into that in my own way in in San Jose, California, the rough streets of South San Jose. That's how we had fun. You you were a graffiti guy. I was a tagger. Yeah. Oh my god, they are the bane of my fucking existence here at my house. With oh, the... they're on, at on your house. Well, not on my house, but there's a wall. 
It's called art, man. You don't like art? Oh, my Lord. Listen, can you tell I've moved, right? I got a different setup here and everything. Uh Just because we're preparing to sell this house. And uh, don't tell anybody about what's been going on in the backyard. Actually, I take that back. There's no problems in my backyard. (laughs) Everything is just incredible. I don't think prospective buyers are watching Kill You With Truth trying to determine if this is the house they want to buy. But so so people are tagging on the wall outside there's, your house. There's it it's it's there's a how do I describe it? There's a field, but before the field there's a retention wall and then mm. there's a mall and there's a fence that my asshole neighbor's been ripping down and it's been Anyways, there's just this wall. There's this white blank wall. And and I, I get you with art. I do understand you with art. But it's not good art. Like, most of the time, the shit that the kids put, if it was good art, I'd be fine with it. If it looked good, but it's just a bunch of crap. It looks terrible. And it's just, uh, you know. What does oh it say? Lord. D-Max sucks and stuff exactly. like that? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it says. You know, you, you know you've entered pure unadulterated adulthood when you start yelling at teenage kids hey cut that out (laughs) you know or words to that extent and you know what they tell me in general when i say that to them off my uh porch you know what they say to me go fuck yourself yes that's exactly what they say to me that's That's what i would say if i was a teenager and a guy like you walked out on his balcony and told me to cut that out Cut it out, kids. That hey. is exactly what I've been told over And the then years. what do you say? All right, I'm going to call the cops. I One time, this is crazy. I was so incensed. I got, I ran back to my car. I drove into the parking lot to take a picture of them. Oh and then, then, I know, I know. It was stupid. It was dumb because they have the ultimate revenge, right? Like, what am I going to do? They know you where know? you live. They right. know exactly where I live. I don't know who they are. They could come back at any time. And uh, anyways, I'm moving. Did I mention that? Or I'm going to try to move. And uh, Yes, you've talked about this. I know. So anyways, in terms of the NFL, um, I'm looking at like Chris Jones, for example. They're talking about whether or not to tag Chris Jones in, in Kansas City. And, um, you know, I don't know if the Broncos have anybody this year. Do they? I can't think of one guy on the team that they'd be looking to do that with. Can you? Uh, isn't Cushingberry's contract up because he has grown as a player and yeah. centers don't make a ton of money. You could restrict his movement, give yourself a chance to have another year evaluation on him. Yeah, but if you tag somebody, they make the top average five salaries of that position in the NFL, correct? Correct, but centers don't get paid anyway. So this this okay. gives you a chance to, while you would pay the top five salary, you wouldn't be on hook for a long-term deal and you have to give out that long-term deal signing bonus. So that'd be the one guy who would, I would think where the discussion could be had. Well, you wouldn't tag Josie Jewell, right, Nate? Or I mean, let me back up. Would you tag Cush? Would, is he that valuable a player as a center? I'd have to look at these center contracts and stuff, but I think I think he is kind of grown into a pretty darn good, you know, top third center in the league. And you know, if you want to draft another guy and go through that whole process with him again, the learning curve, it's one of those questions you have to ask yourself as an organization. You've nurtured this guy. You've you've you know uh, worked through the first two, three, four years of his career which are the most difficult now he's got some comfort in the position and you want to say bye to him just because you don't want to pay him a couple extra million dollars when the now i know the broncos are in a difficult salary cap situation especially especially with russell um possibly leaving but 
at the same time, I hate to see good players go, especially when you're the one who taught them, you know, the ropes. Um, so I'd like to see Cushenberry stick around. Salary cap is jumping 25 million bucks this year, wow. from roughly 225 million up to 250 million. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think to franchise tag Cush, if that was the way they wanted to go, would not be a terrible GM decision by George Payton. Okay. But it's also like that thing with Russell, like everyone wanted to sign him right away. And it's like, hey, the salary cap's about to go up. Like Chad said, 25 million this year, 25 last year. So in the last two years, a $50 million increase. Who cares if you end up paying Russell five million more per year because he had an awesome year? Why don't we wait and see if he's awesome? And he's not awesome. So we could have saved a lot of money not jumping the gun there and just letting him play out his contract. Something that he probably would have been maybe I'm not okay doing, but but the Broncos would have been better off letting him play to see how good he was and how much money he deserved. I do wonder in that situation. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And hindsight is 2020. I don't know if you said that at the time, but you know, I know our guy Mike Evans did, and uh, I didn't for sure. But I I do wonder, and let me just get your opinions on it. How much, how far down the road do you think those guys were in agreement about new deal when the trade was done in the first place? Um. So I, I know there's a, a thought out there that that was part of the, you know, he had his no trade clause and that was part of the trade clause. Like we got to do a new deal before I start. And and that's part of it. But I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I think George okay. Payton got pushed in a corner a little bit, got a little bit too excited and, um, and allowed Russell's agent to kind of push him around a little bit and set a deadline and then went with it because everyone was so quarterback starved. And the idea was that this it's, we're one player away. This one guy is going to fix all of our problems right. and we all got blinded by it. Everybody did. And maybe now we can learn that this one guy is not going to fix you. He's just not. And so let's build up our team and make our quarterback better. But I don't think that was part of the trade uh, myself. Chad. I'd imagine there were some preliminary conversations that happened and, maybe some assurances of a deal would get done. But yeah, I, Nate and I, we, we were there at, at practice every day and we saw the ineffectiveness of Russell every day within that offense. And we saw him, you know, leaving the pocket, not throwing the ball down the field. Um, so we, 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 something clearly was not right within that Nathaniel Hackett first training camp um, with Russell Wilson. Um, so when the deal came out, uh, you know, we were <laughs> as our, uh, previous employer, everyone on the station lost their mind. This is not a drill. But in the in reality, it was a terrible thing because you <laughs> jumped the gun in, in ways that were unnecessary um, that have really going to affect this franchise's ability to move forward for years to come. Um, just by that one decision. The trade was one bad decision, but you put then good money behind a bad decision and now have, have one of the worst contracts in NFL history to go with it as well. Uh, yeah, terrible move, terrible move. Patience is always going to be better in contract negotiations rather than jumping the gun. Yeah, I'll be real about something for, for a quick second. Chad and sure. I are very pragmatic thinkers, very kind of big-picture football guys. We were constantly yeah, told. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We were constantly told in our old, old employer, it doesn't fucking matter. This is going to be great for our job. We got to freaking celebrate the new quarterback thing like it's the best. This is going to be yeah, – this is about ratings, man. It's about ratings, man. And so how much do the ratings man sort of approach mm. to media? You tell me, DMAC, trickle down to the fans and the way we approach, the way we view the game and the way we interpret what we're seeing out there. Because Chad and I saw it. 
right off the bat, this guy can't run an offense. I had it in my notes from like day three of training camp. Mm. I'm concerned Russell Wilson cannot operate from inside the pocket on time. The offense is going to be bad. I said that. I wasn't in the meeting rooms. I wasn't seeing what they were trying to install. We saw that. So how much of it was a frenzy worked up because a quarterback is good for business? Oh, I, I think that's a ton of it. And for the media, if we're just having a media conversation, I can tell you the best time for our former station, because I was part of it, was um, Tebow through Manning. And, you know, while while you might feel like, oh, you know, you need to be negative in order to get ratings, it's actually the opposite is true. What really gets ratings ratings is excitement about something more positive. Now you still need, you know, Hey, what's next, but just shitting all over things actually is while it might be interesting to talk to, and you might feel like it's a big debate ratings wise. It's not great. It's not, it's way better to be successful and be enthusiastic about whatever's going on. So I think, a little dip in the road is good. Like, you can't just be straight up or, you know, hey, that's awesome. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, that's awesome. Everything's awesome. Everything's awesome. And there were some moments during Peyton Manning's time where it felt like that. It's like, shit, what do we talk about here? We need a little roller coaster. <laughs> but but a little roller coaster, not a, you know, a deep plunge off a cliff. And what I think we'd been experiencing here media-wise was a free fall. It really mm -hmm. was. It was it was tremendous. So by the time we got something positive with Russell Wilson, I think it was just it, it was kind of ridiculous. You're right. There there wasn't really fair analysis of what was going on because we as the media were so needy of something positive to talk about, we just turned a blind eye to the obvious. But what about okay, so ever since yeah, the excitement of the moment he got here was a huge orgasm. Yay! But ever since then, it's been a huge letdown again. It's been more negative. It's been odd that we can't get good quarterback play. Nothing's good enough. Why can't? So what is happening here? Why is this happening? Is the quarterback, why are we focusing so much on this one guy and nothing he ever does is good enough? Well, because in my opinion, um, there's a disproportionate amount of uh, responsibility on this particular position. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. It's the most unbalanced thing I've ever seen in sports the, because of finances and responsibility. And it's just grown throughout the years because the NFL keeps changing rules to help that guy. There's more money for that guy. The rules benefit that guy. And without that guy, you kind of got shit. And that's apparently what it's become. And that is why... If you don't take a quarterback early in the draft, and there are guys that really 10, 15 years ago would be second-round guys or third-round guys that are taken in the first round. Why? Because if you don't take them now, the league has learned they're not going to be available. So guys who are available in the second and third round, what are they? They're actually, you know, fifth, sixth-round guys that are sneaking up. What really is Drew Locke, fellas? Seriously. Is he a second-round value, or is Drew Locke really a fifth or a sixth-round value as a quarterback? What do you think? Well, I, I want to back up for a second because when you talk about how these quarterbacks who are really second, third-round picks should be drafted in the first round, and you're, oh, you, you're, you're actually advocating overvaluing 
a quarterback, right? And so these quarterbacks aren't playing well. They're getting drafted in the first round and they're sucking for their teams because am I, when I'm hearing you talk, because they are being overvalued and they are being drafted ahead of where they should be. These teams should be drafting better players in the first round to make their team stronger so that when they draft this quarterback in the second or third round, which is where he belongs to be drafted, he's surrounded by better players and plays better and the team plays better. Why not do it that way? You can. I'll tell you, you why. You can give it a shot, but good luck. Be, be, because, oh, go ahead, Chad. Go ahead, Chad. I'll, I'll just tell you why. There's no one else on the team who has a chance to make everyone else better. The quarterback is the only guy who can do that. you got a great, great wide receiver. He doesn't make the line block any better. Peyton Manning got by with it, not great offensive lines because he was such a good quarterback. Tom Brady was able to do the same thing. Those guys elevated wide receiver rooms that sometimes weren't necessarily great because of their greatness. So if you're going to look at it from a, a points value perspective, um, while your quarterback may be a nine or a 10, but if you got sevens everywhere else, he's good enough to make those sevens all into eights just simply by his greatness. There is no other position in the game that has that ripple effect across the entire team. Uh, so that's why that guy is so valuable yet. And still, uh, to your point, I think these guys are overdrafted. They are overpaid uh, in the words of one of our former uh, 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 friends at our former employer. Two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at once. Not a former friend, a current friend uh, can be true at once. So it, 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 it's it's an interesting dichotomy. Uh, because of that guy, the truly great ones, the truly great ones are the rising tide that lifts all boats. But the other ones, they benefit because how great those great ones are. So therefore, they get overdrafted. They get overpaid. They get over commercialized. They get all the benefits of it without having the skill set to actually hold up their end of the bargain. Now, we and have yet, a, yeah, go ahead, I, I just got to I just got to make this point. I mean, the Super Bowl was played uh, by. Two teams with quarterbacks who don't fit what you guys are saying at all. Brock Purdy, last pick of the draft, surrounded by an awesome team. Makes him play better. He's a great processor, but he's very smart. Patrick Mahomes was drafted onto a good football team that was ready for him to take him to the next step. He was not drafted as a guy to save the franchise. This was a perennial 10-win team. Alex Smith had him humming at a pretty high level. Uh, Andy Reid is a fabulous coach who understands how to build a roster top to bottom and call these games. And so the two best teams in the world didn't do it that way. They did it the other way. They built the team up around them, and then the quarterbacks play better because of that. Well, this leads perfectly into where the Broncos are at with mock drafts right now. And the highest riser right now by far is J.J. McCarthy. I'm just looking at Mel Kuyper's big board of quarterbacks, and he's got McCarthy fourth after he's got – Williams, May, Daniels, McCarthy, then Penix, not Knicks. Now, in most of the mocks, Knicks is actually still favored to go to the Broncos. However, I'm just telling you, McCarthy is steamrolling up. In fact, you're seeing some speculation now that the Vikings, right ahead of the Broncos at 11, may be interested in a quarterback and maybe J.J. McCarthy. I don't know if I could give you a better example of what we've just been talking about than J.J. McCarthy. I think 15 years ago, there's zero chance this guy goes in the first round. But look what good old Tim Tebow did, you know? And, and frankly, just the nature of quarterback play is such that you can't sit around and wait. Or if you do, Nate, if you do sit around and wait, okay, are you sure that guy you're going to get in the sixth or seventh round? Is he... 
can can quarterback be the running back position? And I think I that's where things may go. Know. Yeah, if 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 people continue to miss as as wildly as they have missed over the last you know, five years on these top 10 picks, then yes, it will straighten itself out. It will correct itself. CJ Stroud is really your only shining light here. None of these guys have led, even led their teams to the playoffs. All right, let me give you a situation that that could work, okay? I just doubt it will. Can you, like Kyle Shanahan did, Chad, fully commit to that guy you took in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round? I mean, fully commit. He's the guy. He gets the reps. He's with the ones. He gets to make mistakes. Listen, if if that was the case, then I could actually see it happening if you thought you could get kind of the right guy. Um, but I just don't see the NFL having that patience, Chad. Uh, they don't. They don't because the the owners don't give the coaches that a level of patience. So if a coach is going to be bold enough to say, you know what? We got the best quarterback in the draft in the sixth round. <laughs> it's making well, me laugh. Right, but about you know what he can say is like Nate just said, it doesn't. I know he's not the best. I know he's not the best, but we're going to put a great team around him. He's good enough, and I'm going to fully commit to him. It's kind of like saying, like, it'd be like the running back position. Look where running backs are, right? Running backs are like, Nate, ah, any, any of these guys can really do the job if – the offensive line is good enough if the team is good enough. Could you really see that happening at the quarterback position? If you could, it would save them unbelievable amounts of money. That's for sure. I mean, it'd be wild if a team actually could commit to that. Well, it gives you a window. Um, yes. But the, the, with, the, with the rookie salary cap, uh, a first-round quarterback is not the Matt Stafford or Sam Bradford of old where he walked in the door being the highest paid player on your team. So even if the very first pick in the draft is a quarterback, it doesn't affect you from a salary cap perspective with the salary cap going up 25 million bucks again this year. Uh, so the, the savings from a sixth rounder to a first rounder because of the rookie salary cap doesn't really kill you as much. Again, it used to, the, you know, the Sam Bradford thing was ridiculous. This guy walks in the door, hasn't played a down of NFL football. He's the highest paid player on the team. The rookie salary cap addressed that. So now we it doesn't kill you financially to take a quarterback in the first round anymore. That's why more and more teams are over-evaluating quarterbacks right. and willing to take right. those chances because right. it, while it may hurt you from a draft capital standpoint, it does not kill you at all from a financial standpoint any longer. Good point. Yeah, a lot of times the teams that need quarterbacks, like need, need quarterbacks, are desperate, right? And they've hit rock bottom. And so then you got to like go for the best possible guy you can. And and so I think it's a it's a process of team building that I'm talking about here that would create the timing that would allow you to bring in a guy who was a third or fourth rounder and that you liked, who could study behind the guy who you also liked, who was almost done, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, I do understand that when you need a quarterback, when you need one really bad, it's hard to say, all right, we're going to get our guy in the sixth round. Right, right. You know what you I'm just, saying? Yeah, because you can't depend on anything. Like, who are we even talking about there? It's so absurdly risky. That being said, though, Last I am a, a huge fan of, of – <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what was that? Chad? I did this, and then suddenly we got balloons. That was a celebration of some sorts. It's right. like an automatic emoji. Wow. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, <laughs> that was wow. kind of awesome. Will it do it if I do it too? I was trying to do it again. Balloons, where are you? Balloons. My, my point, sorry to cut you off, DMAC. Last year in the sixth round, Tanner McKee from Stanford was yeah. drafted. Yes. One, of your, one of your people, yes. uh, DMAC. Good old TMAC. And then uh, Max Duggan from TCU went in the seventh round to the Chargers. Yeah. Those guys aren't, you know, they didn't even light it up in the preseason. <laughs> well, again, how much of an opportunity were they truly given? And likely, I'm going to guess, not much. Um, so, like, Nate, I think it could work, but you have to fully commit. Now, I know Kyle did commit to Purdy. I know back in the day, Pete Carroll did commit to Russell Wilson, third-round guy, not quite the same. And we all know the famous story of the Patriots that once Bledsoe got healthy, Belichick stuck with Brady. You see what I'm saying here, guys? Yeah. Like, well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a surprise. You know, you gotta be like almost. Yeah, you know, they didn't commit to Purdy until Trey Lance broke his or tore his ACL or broke his ankle or whatever. They didn't commit to him prior to that. They were committed to Trey Lance and working that out, even though it was clear, I think, in front of them that it wasn't. What's up, Chad? I was gonna say it was Jimmy Garoppolo who started that game against Miami. Yeah. Goes down the first series with a broken bone in his foot. And then it becomes Brock Purdy. I was yeah. calling that game for Compass Media. Mm. And, you know, in the in the booth, we were like, well, here comes the Mr. Irrelevant. You know, 49ers got a great shot of winning this game. Not only does he win the game, he throws the first touchdown pass for Mr. Irrelevant ever, comes the first Mr. Irrelevant to complete a pass in the NFL game. It was an incredible marker in NFL history. Uh, Wait, so are you saying like things. when this guy hoists the, the, the Super Bowl trophy, they're going to cut back to your first call on Compass Media when that motherfucker came out and took his first nap? Yeah, and I was like, well, uh, I think this is over for the 49ers. We'll see what Kyle Shanahan does with Christian McCaffrey the rest of this ball game. Wow. And there we go. They Did they high. win that game? What's that? Did they win that game? Yeah, they beat the Dolphins. Brock Purdy was awesome. I think he threw three touchdowns. Wow. So, and, and that's another thing. Like, if you get an opportunity, there's no room for growth. Like, you got to be great, like, pretty quick to be that. Listen. I well, maybe know. it means that they, they they have to have a shorter leash on the shitty, like on the first round guys, and not a longer leash on Fine. the long run. Like I just have equal leashes here because it's like you think that you know Zach Wilson, he's just we got to keep trying with him. He's gonna get better, you know. Like, come on, let's go. Like Mac Jones, I, I think Mac Jones sucks personally. <clears throat> um, how about just give them all? It's just, but it's a reps, reps type of position, so right. it's really hard to to right. get guys ready. Like, man, it's just, it's a catch, catch twenty two. You got to have a good right. eye for it. You have a good, have a good feel for it, and the chemistry has to be there. One thing I think that really hurts quarterbacks these days is the CBA, uh, like the way it, um, you know, restricts practice time, restricts off seasons time. The OTAs are shorter. You know, like even BMAC and the union don't even want them to go there and spend time with their teammates. That's how for a receiver. I, I connected with my quarterback and then just the quarterback rep after rep day after day, throwing to these guys, understanding right. how they, you know, cause every receiver is different. He likes the ball in a different spot. His catch radius is different. He comes out of his breaks different, <clears throat> you know? And so these, these are little tiny things that you learn about each other that when it comes to Sundays, you don't have to think about it. You already know where to place the ball. You know what each other are thinking. And that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore with these young quarterbacks. because they just don't have the time with these guys. Well, great stuff as always, and we're getting closer and closer. And right now, the rising star is J.J. McCarthy, and for whatever it's worth. But if there's some dude that is out there in the fifth or sixth round, a Tanner McKee, I don't know, Duggan, 
whoever that is this year. But that's the problem, too, because we get back to the media. Look what the media is doing. Look at what the hype is. I mean, there's there's nobody outside those. Who's the seventh quarterback in this draft? I couldn't fucking tell you. Spencer Rattler? Maybe? I don't know. I really couldn't. But that's that's the nature of the media that feeds on each other. Right, I'm looking guys. at drafthistory.com. Yes. Every year, about one quarterback hits. There's about 10 to 12 quarterbacks taken in the draft, and one of those guys hit. Uh, <laughs> from 2016, it would be Jared Goff. Paxton Lynch certainly didn't hit. Uh, okay, Dak Prescott was a fourth rounder that year. So it was two guys. Mm-hmm. 2017, Mahomes. I guess Watson's gotten paid, but he hasn't really yeah, proven anything. Yeah, but that's a hit, though. He's a hit. Yeah, I mean, we were so desperate in Bronco land, we were celebrating the whole Chad Kelly thing. <laughs> um, in 2018, I guess Baker Mayfield's been up and down. Lamar Jackson is the, is the player of that draft. Uh, 19, Kyler well, Murray. Josh Allen's still in there, too. I mean, Josh, Josh Allen's Allen, been all right. Okay. 2019, Kyler Murray has gotten the big money deal, but he has yet to be a playoff-style quarterback. Garner Minshew has made some noise around the league, but nothing special. Yeah. 2020, Jer Burrow, Tua, um, and Jalen Hurts are the big guys there. So three mm-hmm. guys in one draft. 21, Trevor Lawrence. I guess we could say Justin Fields has had some success. Um, and then 2022, it would be uh, Brock Purdy because Kenny Pickett was the only guy taken in the first right. round. Right. And last year, uh, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson are the guys who still have the jury out on them. Right. All right, boys. Well, listen, plenty to talk about. We'll get after it again tomorrow. Nate, it's, it's awesome to have you back. We missed you. We, um, you know, we persevered without you, of course, but but we do miss you dearly. So we're glad that you're back. Comb your hair next time, Nate. And DMAC, I see you got a haircut. And the question for both of you, do you guys brush your teeth before you come on air for, to do this? No, I don't. I'm drinking coffee, man. I, can you smell <clears throat> my bad breath through the microphone? This yeah, what? I'm just asking. Do you have? Do you get a whole f- like facial man- petty manny before you come on here for these, Chad? Yeah, I wake up seven minutes before our airtime. I, yeah, I I, 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 I doubt Chad I do has. Brush. I doubt Chad has pants on right now. Yeah. I got shorts, but I do brush. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll try to. Are you saying my teeth look? Yeah, exactly. Look, teeth shaving. Okay, thank you. You, Chad. you you whiten your teeth though, Chad. Like you do stuff to make your teeth whiter. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I buy a a regular toothpaste that has some whitening qualities. <laughs> That's what would qualify as what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying goodbye. I see it. <laughs> so, uh...